Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Hi, welcome again. This is Eric L. Dunavant. Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. Joining me today, we've got a special, special treat. Annie Yatch with SEAL Team Leaders is joining us today, and they are an incredible coaching organization for CEOs and for teams and for businesses. And for those of you who are business leaders out there and are looking for good coaching and looking like, hey, how do I kind of get unstuck? How do I create transformation? You're going to want to listen in today because we've got some incredible stories and incredible experiences to share with you. Annie's job is as the chief transformation officer there at SEAL Team Leaders. Um, we'll talk about this more later. You can find them at sealteamleaders.com. Uh, it's a great website, got testimonials, got every all types of information, but I'm going to let Annie tell their story. So Annie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's such an honor to be here. Can't wait. Uh, it's, we're going to have a good time. But before, always my first question, um, let's pretend where it's it's a it's a good afternoon, beautiful outside. We're at a barbecue in my backyard at my house, and I've invited a bunch of my friends over. And so these are my listeners and my friends, and I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to my friends. Sure. Well, I'd probably say, hi, I'm Annie Yatch. I am part of SEAL Team Leaders as the Chief Transformation Officer, but what I really love is transformation. And so one of the things that I'd ask all of your friends is I would say, all right, how many of you um, have had any level of big T or little t trauma in your lives? And most people don't like that word, right? Because mm. they don't like to think about there being trauma. But what Larry and I, he's my business partner, um, what he and I discovered was that over the last 15 years of working with CEOs, C-suite individuals all over the world, the unresolved trauma of the CEO trickles down to the team and creates limitations in revenue, in team performance. And if you can't, if you don't ever resolve that trauma, you can't ever hit the penthouse of what you could create in your life. Mm. So we identified that, we're like, all right, this is something that's important. We got to create some freedom here for these gentlemen and ladies who are playing at the top of their game. That's a, that's a, trauma is a big word. And it's one that, I mean, part of the, the word trauma, when I think about that is the very first thing I probably want to do with anything trauma, is stuff it down. That's what everybody wants to do. And that's what most people do. I mean, that's why so many entrepreneurs choose entrepreneurship, because if you think about it, trauma comes from a lack of perceived control. Mm. And what is entrepreneurship? It is a lack of perceived control 24 7, 365. Right. And so you have to be a little bit off, right, from whatever you experience as a young kid to go into this way of working and being. Wow. 
Wow. Tell me a little, so this, you're definitely passionate about this. This is something that, I mean, it, I can tell you probably don't have any trouble getting out of bed in the morning Gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> to get to go do this. How, walk me through maybe a little bit of your story of how you guys even found this or how you kind of discovered that, and maybe even some of your own trauma you had to deal with to get to a point you could even help people with their, their own trauma. Well, what a story, right? I mean, I guess I could start as far back as I went to school uh, at Georgetown for my undergrad, and I learned a heck of a lot about human behavior. Hmm. And then I, at one point, thought that I would be recruited by the CIA and do some work with them. But then I ended up meeting Larry, who was a Navy SEAL. And what I started to observe in his behavior was that there are a lot of things that disconnected him from his emotions, from connection with people. And it was just very intriguing. I just couldn't figure out what some of these things were that were holding him back from the life that I thought he would love to live. Mm. So over the years, you know, we, we did a lot of different work on ourselves personally for probably the last seven to eight years. We worked very intensely on this because what happens with a lot of couples in business or outside of business is that when one person has a trauma and the other person has a trauma, you're attracted to each other because your traumas sink mm. up. Mm. So when that syncing up happens, if you do the work on your trauma, you're either going to get closer because you're going to resolve it, or you might end up not being as close and needing to complete on something because those traumas just don't work anymore and you're much healthier without them. So we did a lot of work, but really where this whole concept of transforming CEOs and their teams came from is the fact that, to be honest, we would go into these companies that were multi-million dollar companies to billion dollar companies. We do incredible stuff for their team, but then the CEO would always break the system. Mm. The CEO would self-sabotage. We'd see the cycle happening and we'd have to pull them aside and be like, listen, like you are doing this. This is not your team. This is, is not anybody else's fault. And once we started identifying it, we felt as though we couldn't really come in and do the great work with the team until we resolved this trauma in the CEO. Wow. And the only reason why we got there was Larry and I both knew we had some intense trauma to work through. Mm. And so we went on that journey together of, okay, how hard can we go after this? Because we always do things as hard as possible so that we can <laughs> figure it all out and then bring it back to the teams that we work with. So he was able to identify this beautiful trauma process that doesn't force you to go back into all the emotions and the feelings of it. Okay. So you can actually work through it in a more relaxed way where you're not in fight or flight. So he was the one that through his journey back to himself, identified there's a gap here in how trauma is talked about, worked through. And once I saw that gap, I was like, okay, how do we bring this to these CEOs to save them from the sabotage? Yeah. If you don't mind, I mean, take, take us back to kind of in this discovery process and kind of going in here, maybe what was... I think this is the best question I'd like to ask right here. What was a trauma that you had to kind of unpack for yourself personally that maybe surprised you? Because I think a lot of times we can go, oh, here was an obvious trauma, but did you run into one or two where it was like, well, I didn't even expect that to be a trauma, but it was something you needed to deal with. 100%. I didn't see my trauma because your trauma is usually caught in your subconscious, right? And your mm -hmm. subconscious runs at 11 million data points a second. Your conscious brain only runs at 40. So usually a trauma is caught deep in that subconscious, but this is the funny thing. So when I, Larry actually used the process he, that he was developing on me to test it, which I don't know how people feel about that, but usually couples can't do that work together, but we did. And what was interesting was I identified, I'm like, 
I had a trauma where I felt like I was not connected to Larry subconsciously because consciously we're connected through marriage. We're connected through our kids. We're connected through the business. We see each other every day. We do work together every day, but here's the interesting thing. When I first met Larry, he had been really badly injured overseas Mm. and he had to go through some very intense surgeries to get him back to walking. And during that time, I realized that I had to shut down aspects of my connection to him because I was so terrified something was going to happen to him. Mm. We just didn't know what would happen through all these surgeries. And so subconsciously, I told myself, if I'm that connected to Larry and something happens, then I won't be able to cope. I won't be able to deal with it emotionally. Mm. So instead, I created a subconscious lie that I am not connected to Larry. Now, the problem is you start recreating that lie over and over again in your conscious life without knowing you're doing it. Wow. Yeah. So that was mine. Wow. What, um, what would you say to somebody who's kind of in this process? Like, man, okay. So I realize how does someone begin to kind of work through this? And I mean, so I know you've got the coaching program and everything like that, but do you have kind of like any basic tips Yes, a hundred percent of people that like, Hey, here's kind of where you can start because say somebody's like, man, I kind of recognize this, but I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start to even think about this. So typically what's interesting is if you look at your relationship and your business, there are always things that are connected between the two and showing up in both, whether you can tell that or not initially. So the way to start addressing the lie that you use to sabotage yourself is you start looking at, okay, where in my life am I suffering? Hmm. Okay, so that's one of the first questions you ask because anytime you're suffering, you're not living in your truth. Okay. Yep. Anytime you're suffering, you're not playing team. You're not coordinating action well with others. Mm. So the mm. first thing to do is to identify where in my life is there suffering? What team am I on where there is suffering? Mm. Mm. So the suffering in your life is going to indicate where some of these lies might reside. And a lot of it comes down to being able to identify what the lie might be, and then asking yourself a couple of really key questions. So one of the things that we teach people is, okay, if you ask yourself, where am I suffering? Or where is the suffering? Where does it exist? On what team? Then you want to identify the lie, whatever lie pops up in your mind, you want to ask, okay, if I continue to act in this way, what is the cost, the real cost of continuing along this trajectory? Mm. If I know the cost, then I'm going to ask, okay, then what is the bigger threat that will exist in my life if I continue to act and be this way? So there's this cost piece and the bigger threat piece. And then one of the other things that I like to do when I'm thinking about the lie, I look at the cost, I look at the threat, and then I look at, okay, what is the false reward that I am creating or the skill that I'm creating that society rewards me for living in this lie. Mm. But to make it a little bit more clear, and this is where if we don't go back and do a little bit on what creates trauma, we sort of miss this really important piece that we just walked through those four steps. So when we think about trauma, I'm just going to use a story of a cave person for a moment. That's okay, Eric. So I'm going to pretend you are a cave person. Thank you. And you're literally in your cave and you're like, I'm going to walk down to that beautiful calm crystal water and I'm going to sit down on what appears to be an orange and black fuzzy rock mm. and so you're going to sit down on this orange and black fuzzy rock but it is actually a tiger and it's going to rip off half your face and you're going to have to escape back to your cave to be safe yeah 
knowing that something traumatic just happened, the first thing I would ask you is what is the first thing your brain does after you get somewhere safe? What's the first thing your brain does? I would say tries to process what just happened. That would Correct. Be Correct. You are the first person that's ever gotten that right. <laughs> wow. Your brain has to process and learn what just happened to understand what the tool is that it's going to use mm. over and over and over again to keep you safe. Right. If you had died, there would be no need to have a system or a tool to keep mm. you safe. Right. Okay. So then you go to sleep. What happens when you sleep? You, you play it in your mind over and over and over again. You and dream you don't really sleep. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so you're wiring into your conscious and subconscious thought. Mm. If orange and fuzzy black things exist, they will kill me. Yeah. Okay. So this is where it gets really interesting. So now the next morning you get out of your cave because you're starving and you're like, I got to get some food. You look outside and all of a sudden this orange and black bird flies by and you shock because yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. black things can hurt me now as you think about going hunting you look outside you see a bunch of bushes what are you going to put behind every single bush even though you do not want that thing to exist behind that bush there's a tiger behind every single bush a tiger yeah. behind every single bush consciously you don't want it but subconsciously that's what you do yeah so then from that moment on Every bush has a tiger behind it. Every tree has a tiger behind it. There's a tiger behind every bush. Yes. Yeah, so your subconscious brain, because that's the tool that kept it safe, is going to put a tiger behind every bush. Even though your, your conscious brain does not want there to be any tigers anywhere at any time. Yeah. This is where it gets even crazier. What's the false reward or the skill that you develop because you put tigers behind every bush? Well, my guess is, is I've become the best person at finding tigers where there are no tigers. Best hunter ever. <laughs> Literally, everybody wants you on their hunting team because they're like, oh, that Annie, she's got, or that Eric, he's got an amazing, uncanny ability to just get those tigers, right? Right. So you get rewarded for mm. the behavior that actually might not always serve you. So this is where it gets cool. So what happens if all of a sudden next door to you in the cave right beside you, the tiger killing tribe moves in and they're covered with the tiger killing pelts, the orange and black pelts on their backs. They look just like a tiger. Yeah. You're What's repelled the by the people that can actually help you. You're repelled by the people or the environments or the situations or the opportunities that could actually help you. Mm. So here's, here's the bigger question. Okay. In certain environments, if there are tigers, your hunting skills are appropriate and really necessary. So they're good. But when that environment changes and suddenly you have kids and a family and you're supposed to be super connected to them, mm. wouldn't it make sense to make them part of the tiger killing tribe to make your life a lot easier? Yeah. It would make perfect sense to do that. But so many of us can't because the tool that kept us safe for so long is still running our subconscious thought. Mm. Wow. Wow. So that is why. For entrepreneurs, this is literally one of the biggest groundbreaking freedom creating activities you can do is to identify these lies, replace them with new truths, and then live into those truths. Mm. I think that what's interesting, again, you know, the theme of this podcast is redefining success is, you know, what we think 
I think that the, what the world tries to say success around trauma is just put it to the side and try and succeed anyway. Correct. Um, when the real, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the real success is dealing with it head on. It's dealing with it with support head on because your level of what you can achieve is always almost um, blocked by the tool and how the tool can be used versus most of us want to know what that penthouse is, but because it doesn't involve our tool uh, from the subconscious, we might not be able to get there. So think about entrepreneurs that are striving and striving and striving to get to a certain revenue amount and they never feel successful even when they get to that amount. It's because there's certain limitating lim limitations of their trauma yeah. that prevent them from feeling fulfilled, feeling that level of success. Wow. Wow. Well, tell me this because you brought this up. I mean, one of the things that I think that you said would be helpful, maybe what is you know, so if, if I'm a business owner or CEO or even a mom or dad or whatever, and I'm looking at this like, wow, okay, so I've got these traumas that I need to be thinking about. I mean, that, that makes a big difference. Um, what are the things that create tra trauma? Right. So create trauma basically comes from a lack of perceived control. So if you don't feel like you can control an environment, you are going to create trauma in that environment. That's the definition of being a CEO and an entrepreneur, though. 24 seven, 24 seven. That's why so many of us as entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur I meet, I'm like, Oh, yep. I can see what this trauma is here. And once you know it consciously, it makes it so much easier to not get trapped in it. Mm. Mm. I, I feel any, like you're reading my mail a little bit. Cause I'm reflecting back just on some of the work that I've had to do on myself um, and who I was before I did the work versus who I've become after doing the work. And even as you, you, you it's, I think sometimes it's a continual, it's like peeling an onion. I don't know if you guys yeah. find the same thing, but I mean, you deal with the bigger traumas and then you start finding even smaller traumas. It's like, why did I get so angry at the person who's driving slow in traffic? Right. You know, everything, everything is connected. We just find that there's one big core trauma that if you identify that, then the spider web of the other ones is much more clear. Yeah. Yeah. That you makes know, a whole lot of sense. I mean, the best thing you can do is do the work. <laughs> that's why we, that's why we redefine success so differently, at least in still team leaders we do. And I don't know, you know, I know this is all about defining success. And so would you be open to me just sharing some of the ideas we have around success and what it actually is? Yeah. I'd love that. And my audience would love that. Please, please do. So this is where Larry and I always laugh because we had to get to this lesson through a lot of hardship and suffering, right? Like we talked about at the beginning, but um, what, how we define success is as an optimized daily environment that is sustainable over time. Mm. Optimized daily environment that is sustainable over time because we don't believe that success is a goal or an objective or an accomplishment. Because we too many entrepreneurs get to the goal, objective, accomplishment, and feel nothing. Right. We believe success is an emotion. So you can um, feel successful like that if you know what your optimized daily environment needs to be for you to feel that feeling. Hmm. We spend a lot of time working with people on, okay, let's optimize your daily environment so you can sustain it, so you can feel more fulfilled and feel more connected to your family, more present, all of those beautiful things. That's powerful. What does your optimized daily environment look like? Well, for me, there's always a morning routine 
right? And so I have a really cool clearing practice that I do to get rid of any energy from other people. Um, then I always do a little bit of reading in the morning uh, just to peak the brain to be as creative as possible. Um, I usually, I know this sounds crazy, but I like to put deposits into my capacity tank very early on in the day. So I go downstairs, put on my tap dancing shoes and I tap dance around the kitchen with my two little boys. I love I'm that. not a tap to be clear, I don't know how to tap dance, but there's something about the noise of the shoes and blasting shot like show tunes from Broadway. My kids love it. I love it. And it just makes you feel good. I'm all yeah. about like creating the emotional state that you most want to feel. So, so big- wait, 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 you got to quick, take a quick tangent yeah. as someone who also loves show tunes and Broadway. So what is the best tap dancing show tune that you guys have found so far? Oh, goodness. I think I tap dance a lot to sit down, you're rocking the boat. Okay. <laughs> From Guys and Dolls, which is so random. Right. Like the kids love it. So that's what I play. That's also, crazy. they really love Somebody to Love from Queen. Okay. So we tend to play those two a lot. I love it. I love it. So you create a clearing energy. You're connecting. I mean, the other thing you're doing, though, is connecting with your children. Correct. Connecting to the emotional state that I most want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else in kind of your optimized daily routine? Well, I do. The the big thing is at night, which is really important to me. So at night, when I get to the end of the day, I always do the same clearing practice to let go of everyone's energy. And then from there, it's always either a shower or a bath because you want to rinse everyone's energy off of you. And water is very soothing. And then usually at night, I spend a fair amount of time in meditation once the kids are in bed. Because that gives you a chance to get into your subconscious brain and do some really cool work. How have you found this helping your kids? I mean, this is tools. I mean, if you can give these tools to your kids, I mean, how powerful is that? It's amazing. So I can share just one process if it's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Anything, please. This is something that not only impacted Larry and I dramatically, but it dramatically impacted our kids because our kids saw us doing it and started doing it too. And now... I mean, just the other day, it was so beautiful. Our little seven-year-old came home from school and he said, mommy, some kids today at school called me stupid. Mm. And I was like, oh, what'd you think about that? And he's like, well, I don't think they have that much love in their heart. And I also don't think that they have a loving family. Mm. And so I just said, it's okay that you think that. I'll see you later and walked away. And I'm like, if only I had known that when I was a seven-year-old, what a difference our world would be. Yeah, no so what I'm about to share with you and the, the listeners is a practice that Larry and I learned about four years ago, that if you do it, it allows you to connect your child self with your adult self, your subconscious with your conscious, and allows you to take action from a place of congruency and connection. Okay. So if you're you're open to it, I'm going to lead you through it. Just no, for please fun. do. Please do. All right. So first thing you're going to do as a man, you're going to put your left hand on your heart All right. and your right hand on your stomach. Okay. And for a woman, it's the complete opposite. So we put our right hand on our heart and our left hand on our stomach. Okay. So what we do is I'm going to have you close your eyes mm-hmm. and have you repeat out loud after me. Okay. okay. Hi. Hi. I'm listening. I'm listening. Thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. All of your emotions are good. All of your emotions are good. All of your thoughts are important. All of your thoughts are important. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will always have your back. 
I will always have your back. I trust you. I trust you. I cherish you. I cherish you. I love you. I love you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. You are mine and I am yours. You are mine and I am yours. Would it be okay if we come together as a team? Would it be okay if we come together as a team? Would it be okay if we do life together? Would it be okay if we do life together? And now you can open your eyes. Usually you run through that two or three times, but it tends to make people feel more settled. Mm. They are a little bit more grounded. Yeah. You, you should use it if you feel triggered by any emotions that you don't think serve you to not make those emotions bad. Because every time you make an emotion bad in your mind, you wire that same old trauma pattern that is linked to that emotion. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> what, so what you're dealing with, what you've talked about, you, you're dealing with trauma, especially in CEOs, because they're the ones who kind of mess up and rock the boat, even if you kind of um, get things cleaned up. Is it the same type of work you're doing with teams or is it, does it look differently when you're thinking about it from a teamwork standpoint? It looks a little different when you're thinking about it from a teamwork standpoint. So on the team and performance and leadership side, yep. a lot of what we do there has to do with the six pillars of performance. Okay. So um, usually with the teams that we work with, we identify that there are usually three major gaps that teams go through, whether they're a million dollar company or a $1.2 billion company. Sure. Those are typically, there's an issue with delegation and accountability, mm. right? How many times you try to hand something off to someone and you ask for it done by a specific deadline and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So that's the first piece. Then you've got this other piece around feedback, right? How often have you tried to give someone constructive feedback or criticism and they get very upset about it, very emotionally hurt. And then you lose a lot of productivity on the team. Sure. And then there's the planning one. Most people plan the perfect plan and execute on that. And there aren't a lot of teams that actually think about all the contingencies that could go wrong and train for that along with the perfect plan. Wow. So those are the three major gaps that every company has. And it's just a matter of what is the biggest problem or the biggest challenge? And then how do we bring these six pillars of performance in to fill those gaps? Okay. Wow. Wow. This is so good. I'm going I'm to ask you a question. I'm going to take you back a little bit further, kind of where, you, where you're sitting right now. When you were younger, mm -hmm. and I'm, I even want to take you back even before college, maybe, but how did you define success when you were younger? When I was younger, I think success was how quickly can I get to the next goal or accomplishment mm. so that I can bring more impact to the world. Yeah. And sadly, you start to realize that you can bring all the impact in the world, but if you don't feel the impact of that impact, it's not necessarily serving you or even the other people that you're impacting. Mm, that's so good. Oh, that's you. so good. I, <laughs> I see so again, I see so much of myself in the work that you're doing. I already said this once, but I would just tell my listeners who don't know this. I was having a conversation. I was driving to the airport earlier today with a gentleman and I was telling him that I had a particular experience that helped me deal with a lot of my trauma around my mom's death. And I was telling him inside of my business, there's a joke. The experience was called quest. And there's a joke inside of my office. There's pre quest, Eric and post quest, Eric. And he was like, 
he was like, I can't imagine you. Be-. I was like, oh, no, I was terrible. I was mean. Oh, I was angry. So We're so different before we do the trauma work and after. It's not even the same person most times. Well, but here's the thing I think I would even tell the listeners, like if you find your, if you find yourself and I maybe have you kind of resonate on this at a place where like your people like tell you, man, don't get so angry all the time. Or like they say things to you that you can't like, you can't comprehend what they're even saying. Like they're trying to give you positive feedback, but you can't hear it. There's probably trauma going on. That's triggering you to act in a way that you don't even see. 100%. And you can't typically see the trauma until somebody else brings it to your attention. Well, I don't even, not only seeing the trauma, what I'm even trying to say around this is I don't even know that I saw how my trauma was hurting others. I didn't even see the impact of my trauma. Right. That's true. I mean, it's, you know, most people, they, they'll come to us when they're at a point of being like, I keep doing the same thing. I keep creating the same cycle and it's not helping my business. It's not helping my family but I just don't know how to get out of it. They don't even know what it actually is. They just see the cycle and the pattern repeating. And that's where you have to you know, dive in a little bit to figure out, okay, what's, what's kickstarting this trauma loop? And then how do we get this person out of it? So if there were any of my listeners who were listening, who were, you were like, who were kind of like, man, I kind of, I know I need to look into this. I know I need to, where, where do you, where would you have someone start? So usually where I start with most people, and it all depends on the person right, and what they're comfortable with, but on our team, we start with something called the superpower versus kryptonite exercise okay. because it helps us look at, okay, what's the lowest point in your life? What's the highest point in your life? And what are the patterns that exist between those two? Okay. That really helps you to identify what is the direct connection between the lowest and the highest point, And what are the patterns that have been running you ever since you had those two experiences? It's a really good place to start because in less than an hour, you can basically identify something that someone who's been in therapy for 20 years has never been able to identify, which is pretty beautiful. Well, what I love about what you're doing and I love about just experiences that I've had that are close. I haven't had exactly your experience, but I've had, you know, some similar work that's been done, but somebody said this at one point and I'm not trying to cut out therapy or anything like that forever because there's people that that's good for. But one of the things that someone taught me as we were walking through this is when you really get to really understand how this process works, you have the ability to kind of be your own therapist. You have the ability to kind of walk yourself through the things that you're going on because you get to a place you can start to recognize. So the work that you're doing is so incredibly important. And for anyone who's listening, who's like, man, I just want to get to this place. It's fine. Get in touch with Annie and get in touch with SEAL team leaders or Find someone or find something that can take you through a process of helping to learn how to just kind of identify not only what your trauma is, what your triggers are, and then how to kind of start unpacking those stories. Because at its core, it's a story, the way that I've always, that I, way that I kind of process through it, saying it just a little bit differently than what you said is, it's a story or a lie that you're believing that's causing you to have certain behaviors. So you've got to figure out what does it look like if that's, how can you begin to understand whether that story is true or not? And if that story isn't true, then what does life look like if the story isn't true? Correct. And like the thing that's so interesting about all this trauma and all these lies and all this work and these stories is that you created a story between five and 11 where you, when you were pre-logical. So mm-hmm. whatever the story is, it's not even a logical story. And that's why these things are so hard to identify. And so one of the things, and I'll share the best question for you to ask anybody and for anybody to ask themselves 
Okay. Like, I hear that you're suffering or something's going on in your brain. Like, I just don't know what this is. Ask yourself, what do I want to be true? Mm. So you whatever's running in your brain, which is causing the suffering. Do you want that to be true? Or do you want something else to be true? Mm. To identify what that truth is, you can't have the lie and the truth at the same time. It doesn't work. That's right. So you have to decide, am I going to step into the truth? Or am I going to keep rolling with this comfortable older story? And that's what brings it all into a very clear understanding of where you're at. So I have two questions I want to ask you before we finish up. But before I get to my two questions, is there anything that you wanted to make sure that we talked about that we didn't get to talk about or I didn't get to ask you about? Well, I think we were pretty heavy on like this trauma and the unresolved trauma piece. But I think there's always, you know, I'd like to leave the audience with something really interesting about performance, because from what you see in the world, most people talk about how you have to be a leader of your company. You have to lead people in order to build your company. Yep. And one of the things that we've identified is that in order to be a leader, you have to have four other things very dialed in in order okay. to step into your own concept of leadership. Okay. So I thought that would be a helpful thing to sort of share with, with your group. Yeah, please. So four things that have to be addressed before you can be a leader of your team. Number one, you have to redefine success. <laughs> You have to look at what your definition of success is versus everybody else's on your team. And as a team, you have to come up with what is the team definition of success mm. as we go out on this mission as entrepreneurs together. Yeah. Number one. Number two, you have to look at how the team is defined. Everybody in the world has a different concept of team and a different mm. concept of connection for the team. So if you want to lead, you have to understand how do I define team and how do I define connection for this particular team? And then the whole team has to buy in to that formula for connection. That's number two. Number three, self-regulation. In order for you to be able to regulate other people or behavior change other people to help them change the behavior that's limiting them in business, you have to understand how to regulate your own emotions, intellect, and physicality. If you don't have a system for doing that, you will always be at little to no capacity. And when you get home to your family, you'll be exhausted, tired, and not be able to put in the effort. So self-regulation is a really big part. And then the fourth piece is in order to step up as a leader, you have to understand the definitions of what it is to manage effectively, what it is to lead effectively, and what it is to follow. Because mm -hmm. for most companies, everyone's acting as a leader or as a follower and there's no real management that's happening because a lot of us haven't been trained in how to manage people effectively. Mm. So those four things have to be understood before you can step into your next level of leadership. That last point is so important because I was, we were recognizing as we've been kind of raising up people inside of the company um, and as they've been growing, recognizing lack of management skill. Right. It's like, oh, OK, so how do we fill in this deficit? Because if we pull somebody in who has who needs to manage some people or some process or things like that, and they've not been taught how to do that, we're setting them up to fail. Correct. Correct. And so this is where in most companies, right, the biggest gap that exists outside of the three I talked about is their management levels, whether it's low tier management, middle tier management or high tier management. They don't actually know how to manage the most effective way to pull the leadership up from the lower ranks. So that's what we're really brought in to do is when there's this, ironically, it's not a leadership gap, it's actually a management gap. And mm. once you address the management gap, then everybody below starts to raise up as leaders and it makes life a lot easier. 
Wow. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, there's so many different nuggets you've put in here. I just, I can't thank you enough for that. So like fire housing information is always great, right? <laughs> it is. Here's my two questions. My first one is this in three generations, what do you hope that your great grandchildren remember about you? Three generations. These are your great grandchildren. It's really good. Um, I hope they remember that loving yourself and transforming yourself is the key to all success in life. Mm. That's what I hope they remember because everything starts with you. Yeah. That's so good. So good. What is, is there any book or any, what, what's kind of the book that maybe if anyone was here in kind of this area, is there any book you'd recommend to people that would at least kind of get them started on thinking more about this? Well, you know, I love a lot of different books, but some of the top ones that I recommend to clients are always for men. It's Way of the Superior Man by David yeah. Data, because that helps you understand the polarity that needs to exist between the masculine and feminine to have more connection with your spouse. And I think that's a really beautiful book. Um, I just started reading The Business Secrets of the Bible, which blew my mind because a lot of the foundational principles that we teach are actually in this book because they all come from that's right. knowledge, which just was amazing, right? Um, and then also there's a book by Tasha Silver that's called It's Not Your Money, which was mm. the best way to reset the paradigm around whose money it is and what money is, because we believe money is just a tool to coordinate action. That's right. That's yeah. right. The Business Secrets of the Bible was written by who? You know, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. I'm, I'm asking only because I'm wondering, is it Rabbi Daniel Lapin? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Right. He's also got a great podcast um, for anyone who's listening. If you don't listen, if you don't listen to his podcast, I, it, I highly recommend it. Um, but Annie, thank you so much for being here. Last question is this. I think we've hit it a little bit, but if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if somebody's like, hey, I need to know more about this. Somebody wants to even just follow the work that you're doing. What's the best way to get in touch with you, to follow you and to kind of keep up with all the work you're, all the great work you're doing? Well, I'm going to do things a little differently here. I'm going to give everybody my direct email because that's the easiest way. Um, so it's Annie at SEAL, like Navy SEAL, teamleaders.com. Annie at SEAL, teamleaders.com. That way you'll know that you'll actually get in touch with me and I'll actually be able to communicate with you and get to know you as a person because that's where all this great stuff starts. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Annie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving the time. I love what you're doing. I think everything you're doing is so wonderful and so needed. So thank you for bringing this concept of how we redefine success to our lives, because that's such a beautiful opening and starting point for so many people. So it is, it is. Again, as I like, I mean, I, I think all my listeners know this, but my favorite comment is if it's not broke, break it, because most of the ways that everybody's telling you to do things is backwards from how it needs to be done. And that success is one of the play it's one of the things that we create an idol out of in our lives and we're, we're pointed in the wrong direction and it, it influences everything else as you just talked about today so very true well thank you for that message i absolutely love it and for anyone who's listening thank you all for listening if there's anything we can both do for you please let us know all right so make sure that you reach out to annie she's giving you her personal email address that doesn't happen very often on the show so you can have direct conversation and contact with her so please do reach out to annie thank you so much 
for being with us. We will be, get, be with you again next week. God bless you. God bless. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.